right. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building tonight? And if you will, I'd like you to join me in the book of Acts chapter 20 tonight. Acts chapter 20. Again, in just a minute, I'm just going to read one verse. And if you'll just leave your Bibles open, I feel like one of the greatest verses in the Bible. And I want to read it to you in a little bit and just ask you to leave your Bibles open. This is another one of those shotgun kind of sermons where we're just kind of kind of move from here to there to everywhere. But if you'll bear with me, I hope when we get through, it'll make at least a little bit of sense about where we're going with this. Acts chapter 20, page 1178, if you have an old Schofield Bible. And we'll read the verse here in just a little bit. Thank you again for being here. Don't forget our service on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Hope you'll be here for that and to be much in prayer for the service then. And then, of course, the Lord's Day next week. If the Lord hadn't come, let's pray for a good day. And if the Lord has come, we'll have a good day for sure. Amen. But anyway, let's pray for a good day next Sunday as we move toward our celebration of Christmas. Well, Acts chapter 20, if you're there, would you say amen? All right. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, bless your word now. Speak to our hearts, I pray. And Lord, teach us something from the Bible, something that will help us. I pray from the word of God tonight that will cause us to be a little closer to you, that will help us to grow as a child of God. The Bible commands us that once we are saved that we ought to uh, desire the sincere milk of the word of God that we may grow thereby. And then Peter just simply put over in 2 Peter 3.18 that we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, tonight I pray that the, 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 the message will be a meal for us that we can partake of. Our spiritual man will be fed and we may walk out of here a little bit more mature than when we walked in, I pray. Bless your word. Help us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, let me do this before I get into all that. I almost forgot about the bus report. Oh, my goodness. And boy, did we have a good day on the buses today. We had a total, listen to this, a total of 308 riders on our church buses this morning. And that is a good, a good day. Praise the Lord. We were up dramatically over last week. Of course, it was raining and so forth. But a good day, 308 riders. We had six people that got saved off the church buses today, which is a real blessing. And, and then Brother Tim White, going back over to the truck stop and he's preaching over there and he got to preach to two of them truck drivers this morning and uh, didn't have anybody saved but got to preach to them anyway and uh, so God's give us a good day. Listen to this. The West Winston route had nine riders today. The Kernersville route had 11. The South Winston route had 30 riders today. The Greensboro route 35. The King Rural Hall route had 35. The Mount Airy route had 12. The Murray Road route had 35. The Pofftown route had 26. The Ogburn Station route had 25. You throw in three Spanish routes. We had a total of 308 riders. One of our buses is still not running right now because of the fear of COVID. And so, man, uh, we'd had over 3 million today if that other one would have run. And so we had 308 riders on our church buses today. If you appreciate that, would you say amen? Boy, I appreciate it. That's a lot of door knocking yesterday, a lot of hard work, a lot of tears, a lot of praying, and just a lot of work. And then, you know, to bring them here. And then I appreciate all of those of you that worked hard once they got here to take care of them and feed them, as the case may be. Thank you for the good work that you did this morning. Well, if you think back to last Sunday evening, then you may recall that last Sunday evening I started a brand new series of messages that I entitled Bible Words that every child of God ought to know. Bible words. 
You know, I preached not so awful long ago about Bible verses that every child of God ought to know. But I'm kind of, as a, as a sequel to that, just follow-up, preaching on Bible words that every child of God ought to know. You know, it's a series of messages based upon some of the great words of the Bible. Now, of course, if you've been around here at Woodland any amount of time, then you know around here that we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. In other words, we believe that the Bible, God's Word, is completely reliable. It has complete authority and is absolutely without error and is indeed God's great gift to mankind. We believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God. I'm not talking about uh, the, uh, the uh, RSV or the ASV or the NIV. I'm talking about the King James Bible. Is the preserved, inspired Word of the living God. But not only do we believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God, but around here we believe that the Bible is the living Word. Word of God. You see, the Bible, the Bible says this of itself. Look at this. For the Word of God, and then it says this, the Word of God is quick. Now, if you were to get your strong concordance out and look up the word quick, it's where we get our English word zoo from. You know, like the aspiral zoo or zoology. And if you look up the word zoology, it simply means the study of life. And we believe the Bible is not just God's inspired Word. We believe the Bible is God's living Word. It pulsates with life. In the Library of Congress located in Washington, D.C., it's the largest library in all of the world. It is a library that is home, now listen to this, this blows my mind, to 32 million books. 32 million books in the Library of Congress. Now, here's what I found out about that. If you were to just stack those books up side by side, it would be a line of 745 miles of nothing but books. 32 million. But, boy, that's a lot of books, isn't it? But I'll tell you something. 31,999 of those books were written by men, and they're dead on the shelf upon which they sit. But I want to tell you, bless your heart, the Bible, the Word of God, is written and inspired by Almighty God, and it is a living, a living book. This Bible pulsates with life. This Bible breathes. This Bible speaks to us because it is the Word of God. Jesus said over in the Gospel of John chapter 6 and verse number 63, He said this, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are, say it with me, they are life. You know, when you hear the Word of God, you hear the voice of God. Now, I say this around here sometime, and I want anybody to misinterpret what I'm saying, but let me say it again. You know something? The closest thing we ever come to hearing the voice of God is when the preacher stands up with the Word of God, and he preaches to us the Word of God. Can I tell you something? Ladies and gentlemen, you're hearing the voice of God, because this Bible, not the preacher's voice, but this Bible, Bible is the voice of God. It is the Word of God. This Bible frowns upon us when we're doing wrong. This Bible smiles at us when we're doing right. This Bible speaks to us as we listen. It, it calms us when we're troubled. It heals us when we're hurt. It cheers us when we're down. It cleanses us when we're dirty. It is a living, a living book. By the way, it's a powerful book as well, is it not? The Word of God is quick, and then the next phrase, went on to say in that Hebrews 4, 12 verse, it is quick and it is 
powerful. Let me tell you something about this Bible. This Bible will blast sin right out of your life. Amen. It's like dynamite, man. It contains the, the gospel. It's the power of God, the dunamis, the dynamite of God. And ladies and gentlemen, whereas dynamite blows everything upside down, the Bible, when set in a person's heart and detonated by the Holy Ghost, blows everything right side up because everything's already upside down. I'm talking about the Bible. Now, we believe the books of the Bible are alive. Sixty-six books, we believe they're all alive. We believe the chapters of the Bible are alive. 1,189 chapters, we believe the chapters of the Bible are alive. 31,172 verses, we believe the verses of the Bible are alive. 788,000 plus words, we believe the words of the Bible are alive alive. Yes, sir. You can read any other book you want to, and its words lie dead on the pages upon which it is written, but the Bible, the words of the Bible are alive. Thank God for the Bible. Have you thought God, thank God for your Bible recently? How much time have you spent in your Bible? Thank God for the Bible. Well, we're considering now great words of the Bible. Now last, and I'm starting with our English alphabet. So last week we started with the letter A. And I went through the Bible and I began to list some of the great words in our Bible that begin with the letter A. And we thought about such words, uh, words as this, altar. Boy, that's a great word. Can I stop and say again, don't ever be afraid to come to the altar. I know we're living in COVID times. I get all that. But man, use the altar. Meet God here at the altar. I promise you this. You meet God here at the altar, God will meet you here at the altar. What about the word altar? What about the word atonement? Thank God for the blood of Jesus Christ. What about the word accepted? What about the word angels and ark and appearing and abiding and accepted and the word armor? And what about this word? Amen. Good Bible words that every child of God ought to know. Can I stop and say this about the word amen? You know what the word amen means? It means let it be so. Amen. Let it. So when I say Jesus is coming soon and you say you're saying, let it be so. Can I stop and say this? We got a good church here, and I don't ever want us to, to deviate from what we got here. But, you know, sometimes I go to some churches, and it kind of throws me a little bit because when you get to preaching in a big way, they'll just start going. Can I tell you something, bless your heart? The proper biblical response to Bible preaching is Amen. Hey, if you appreciate Bible preaching, say amen. Uh, thank you for clapping. That's wonderful. But when I'm preaching, just say amen. Can I have an amen? <laughs> Moving right along. Cleaned off the porch there just a little bit. But we say amen around here when people preach. Let it be so. Jesus died on the cross. Amen. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Anybody that comes to Jesus, God will say, Amen. That's how we respond to Bible preaching around here. Keep you clapping to yourself. Just say amen. Thank you. Amen. Moving right along. Now we move to the letter B. Boy, I got to thinking about some great Bible words that begin with the letter V. Now, these are not my words, but what about this one? Burden. Boy, that's a great Bible word. 
What about this one? Believe. Amen. Or believeth. What about this word? Become. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. John 1, 12. What about this word? What about the word uh, belong, believe? What about the, well, we don't want this one, the word bitter. Boy, we don't want that one. What about the word blessed? Amen. How many of y'all are blessed tonight? Say amen. Blessed. Hey, what about this good Bible word? Boldness. Boy, we need that, don't we? But I haven't picked any of those words out. Let me give you four or five great Bible words that begin with the letter B. First of all, obviously, we have to first of all begin with this word, blood. Well, aren't, you glad we, aren't you glad you're a member of a church that still believes in the blood of Jesus Christ? Hey, we're not interested in taking it out. We're not trying to tear the songs out of our songbook, the pages out that, that, that talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. We're not ashamed of the blood. Hey, we're not ashamed of the book or the blood or the blessed hope. We believe. Boy, what about that blessed hope? I should have mentioned that one. I'm telling you, these are great Bible words. Now, you think about the word blood for just a moment and talk about a prominent word. Did you know the word blood or some form of it is mentioned 457 times in the Bible? In the Old Testament, we're constantly reading about the blood of animals, the blood of bulls and the blood of goats and the blood of sheep and the blood of turtle doves and the blood of heifers. All of that blood, all of these animals were raised for the purpose of shedding their blood to provide a covering. Remember last week the word atonement, to cover sin. And by the way, that word blood, the blood of animals was especially used to, when it comes to sin, to cover, to provide a covering for sin. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you as we move through the Bible, you can't help, I mean, you read barely the first two or three chapters of the Bible and you run right into the word blood. The first time in the Bible where the, blood, the word blood is indicated is in Genesis chapter 3 when our great-grandma and grandpa in the Garden of Eden had sinned against God. The Bible said there they stood. I told you this morning they went from the lofty heights of glory to the lowly depths of nudity. And the Bible said that God killed a little animal. And God took the bloody skins of that animal and covered up the nudity of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And God thereby set a precedence that any time that we sin, that the only covering that God will accept for sin is the blood. And by the way, here we are 6,000 plus years later, and I want to tell you God still hadn't changed his mind. The only way you and I could ever be accepted in the sight of the holy God is to be washed in the blood. The next time we read about blood is over in Genesis chapter 4. You remember the story? Here's Adam and Eve. And then in chapter 3, there they stand with the bloody skins, probably of a little lamb that God slain, God killed, and wrapped their naked bodies in the bloody skins of that little lamb. And I think probably Adam, when he was kicked out of the garden, and then here come along Cain and Abel, Adam probably set those boys down by the fire one night, and he said, okay, boys, some of these days you'll be grown, you'll grow up, and it'll come time for you to worship God. Daddy's religion won't do for you. 
Daddy's church membership won't do for you. You've got to make a choice on your own to worship God. And it wasn't long to them boys got grown. And here they come bringing their offerings to the altar. And here comes Abel. He listened to what his daddy said. His daddy said the only acceptable sacrifice in the sight of God is an innocent substitute. And the blood that was said. That's the only way boys you can be right with God. And here comes Abel with a little lamb under his arm. And he walks up to that altar and he pulls a sheath out of its a knife out of its sheath. And he brings it across the, blood, the throat of that little, that little lamb. And the blood begins to gush out on that altar. And the Bible said that God accepted the offering of Cain. I'm sorry. Of Abel. But then here comes Cain. Boy, I want to tell you, Cain brings a beautiful offering. It is, it is a basket of fruits and vegetables that he's literally poured his life into. He went out into the fields and planted the seed. He watered, he fertilized, he sweated, he labored. And I want to tell you something, Cain wasn't an atheist. He come to worship God. And I have no doubt he brought the very best that he could find out of his fields. There's a yellow squash and a red apple and an orange ca carrot and a green cabbage head and a red tomato. And I mean it's glistening with color and it's beautiful. And he walks up there and he, and he sets that offering down at the altar. And the Bible said God rejected the offering of Cain. You know why there wasn't one drop of blood in it and ladies and gentlemen God will reject you and God will reject me if we try to please him if we try to become acceptable to him any other way than through the shed blood God will reject us as well amen and by the way God even gave him a second chance you read that account in Genesis chapter 4 and the Bible says oh Cain got mad went off in a huff like people get when you try to redecorate the church. <laughs> and he went off in a huff, went in his tents. If that's the way it's going to be, I ain't coming over here no more. And God went over there, knocked on the tent door, said, Cain, look, man, look, I have brought a sin offering. You read it. I brought a sin offering over here to your door. And Cain, if you'll take that offering and you'll offer it up, Cain, I'll accept you just like I did your brother. And Cain rejected the blood. And ladies and gentlemen, when you and I reject the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no hope for us. There's a verse, and it's Hebrews 10, 26, and I hope I can quote it, but it says something like this. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall it be thought worthy who had trodden underfoot the blood of Christ and had done despite to the Spirit of grace. Buddy, when you try to walk over the blood of Jesus, I'm telling you, you're bringing down judgment upon yourself, and so am I. Buddy, the only way that God will pass over us in judgment is if, if the blood has been applied. Said all that to say this, thank God for the blood. Boy, that's a Bible word we need to know. Now, I want to read you a verse here. That's the reason I had you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 20, because I want you to understand that we're celebrating the birth of Christ. You know that. And when Jesus came into this world, what made him different than any other baby that had ever been born in this world was this. Coursing through the veins of that little baby laying in Bethlehem was not the blood of Joseph, 
It was not the blood of Mary. It was not the blood of some sinful human being. It was the blood of God Almighty Himself. Watch this. Look at this verse. Well, you got your Bible, so just forget it. Look at verse 28. Take heed, thereto, there, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he, God, hath purchased with his own blood. Now somebody say, hold it, hold it, preacher. Hold it right there. Jesus purchased the church with his blood. You're right. Jesus was God. And pulsating in the veins of the Son of God himself was the blood of God Almighty. And when Jesus died on the cross, he shed the blood of God for the church. I want to tell you, Jesus is God. Amen. And his blood was the blood of God Almighty himself. So the first word is what? The word, say it with me, the word, Boy, be familiar. Thank God. For, hey, we're heading into some turbulent days. We're heading into some bad times. Thank God for the blood. Aren't you glad you're under the blood? Can I have an amen? The word blood. Number two, watch this. Because of the blood, we now run into this word. Born again. Boy, that's a good Bible word. Ain't it? Born, born. Uh, are you glad tonight that you've been born again? Jesus himself used that term when he was talking to an old boy, a very religious boy by the name of Nicodemus. He had come to Jesus by night. And old Nick at night come to Jesus, and here's what he said to Jesus. Look up here on the screen. He said, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. But he's wrong. Jesus wasn't a teacher who come from God. Jesus was God who came to teach. And the main message that Jesus came to teach was this, you must be born again. And I have an amen. Have you all with me? Are we not getting this? Do we need to close up and go home? Born, born again. Hey, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus said, you and I can't get to heaven unless we've been born again. John chapter 3, verse number 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be, there it is, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Look, man, we can't even see it, much less enter it, if we are not born again. Our first birth got us into the Adam family. do 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 Na, 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 na. That first birth brought us into the Adam family. And here's what we read about that. Oh, my soul. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, For as in Adam, all die. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that first birth brought us into the Adam family and we're destined to die and be eternally separated from God forever and ever and ever. But aren't you glad you can be born again? Because the Bible said when we get born again, the rest of that verse says this right here, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Hey, I'm glad that when I accepted the Lord Jesus, I became born again. You know, the Bible likens being saved to a number of things. For instance, like taking a drink of water. 
That's a good... Boy, you say, how, what's that mean? Well, just like water quenches your thirst, getting saved will quench the, 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 the thirst that's down on the inside. Getting saved is like taking a big old gulp of water. Getting saved is like going through a door. And Jesus said, I am the door. You know, getting saved is like turning on the light because we're in darkness. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But one of the best analogies that get Jesus gave to us to tell us what being saved was like, he said, it's like this getting born again. Now watch this. You know when you get born, when you and I are born into this world, we're born without a past and only a future. You ever been to the hospital before and walked by the baby window where all those babies... You ever seen one of them in there in one of them orange prison jumpsuits handcuffed together? And there they're just laying there waiting until they get old enough to get out because they've done, done something terrible and the officers stand there waiting to arrest them. They don't have a past. All they got is a future. And bless your heart, when we get born again, thank God we don't have a past. All we got is a future. And by the way, a good one at that. Aren't you glad you don't ever have to answer for your past if it's under the blood of Jesus? How many of you are humiliated by your past? How many of you wished you didn't have a past? Well, let me tell you something. When you got born again, God wiped your past clean, and all you got is a future. All right, so we got blood. We got born again. Here's the third word. I'm taking them in a good order. There's the word, uh-oh, baptism. Because bless your heart, after you get washed in the blood and get born again, you ought to get baptized. Can I have an amen? <laughs> that word baptism or some form of it is mentioned 115 times in the Bible. And every time the word baptism is mentioned, it's over in the New Testament. The word baptism is a New Testament idea. And let me tell you something. There are two schools of thought out there when it comes to the subject of baptism. Some people say, oh, baptism is needless. Other people say, oh, baptism is needful. One crowd says, oh, don't worry about it. You don't even have to get baptized to go to heaven. And the other crowd said, if you don't get baptized, you ain't going to heaven. Well, which one of them is right? Well, the answer is neither. Neither one of them is right. Because let me tell you something, bless your heart, baptism is not needless, but, but it's not needful. Baptism is very, very important. You and I, you're right, we can go to heaven without being baptized. We can go to heaven dry, clean if we want to. But we don't have to get baptized to get to heaven. We just got to get washed in the blood of Jesus. But bless your heart, let me tell you something. That doesn't mean that it's just completely needless. Because let me tell you that Jesus began his earthly ministry by walking over 60 miles from his home in Nazareth to get to the Jordan River where John was baptized. Don't tell me it's not important. He walked 60 miles to get baptized. He commenced his earthly ministry with the deed of baptism. Now you stop and think about it. Jesus could have began his earthly ministry in a variety. He could have called the Jerusalem Journal and said, Hey, hey, y'all come over here. I'd like to give you an interview. I'm getting ready to announce and launch my public ministry. But he didn't do that. How did he do it? By being baptized. Jesus began his public ministry by being baptized. That's the reason in Mark chapter 1 and verse number 9, the Bible said he came to pass in those days. Jesus left, uh, came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in Georgia. So, uh, George, Georgia, yeah, Georgia, yeah. While I'm on the subject of Georgia, let's talk about the Senate races right now. 
Thank you, Lord. Just, just in. Georgia. Jesus got baptized in Georgia. Vote Republican in Georgia. How do we get off on that now? You low-down bunch of people, you were praying that I'd get off on that, wouldn't you? I'm kidding. Anyway, he didn't get baptized in Georgia. Did he? He got baptized in the Jordan. The Word of God says. So he commenced his earthly ministry with the deed of baptism. But watch this. He concluded his earthly ministry with the demand of baptism. Jesus tells us over in Matthew chapter 28 to go into all the world. Go ye therefore teach all nations. Then watch this, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all the way even to the end of the world. So Jesus started his ministry with being baptized. He ended it by saying, look, go tell everybody. She's saying that a moment ago. Go tell everybody. And when they believe it and they receive it and they get saved, then I want you to baptize them right after that. And then I want you to teach them to do everything that I've told them to do. That's what we're to do as a church. Now let me ask you a question. Have you been baptized? Have you been washed in the blood? Let's check that one off. That means you've been born again. Let's check that one off. Uh-oh. What about baptism? Can I tell you something? Really, baptism is nothing more than an important act of obedience. An important act of obedience. Do you love Jesus? Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. Listen, Jesus said, Hey, if you love me, do what I'm telling you to do. If you love Jesus, you should have no problem doing what Jesus has told you to do. And by the way, let me tell you this. Baptism is absolutely essential for you to have the blessings of God on your life. You can't disobey God and have God's blessings on your life. It is an important act of obedience. It is an immediate act of obedience. You should do that right after you get saved. Look, we shouldn't have to beg and plead and preach to you about getting baptized. I mean, you all just love the Lord enough to say, okay, if that's what he said, man, I'm in. Count me in. Let's go. We don't believe in infant baptism, but we do believe in instant baptism. Once you get saved, the next thing you ought to do is get baptized. I got saved when I was 16 years old. I didn't get baptized till I was 18. And I, I'm not blaming anybody. I should have been better at this than I was because I've been in church all my life. But I didn't understand the importance of it. I really, I didn't get it. But I tell you this, after I got baptized, God began to work in my life. You know, right after I got baptized, wasn't a couple of months after that until God called me to preach. You know what was hindering God from touching my heart and touching my life? You know what was hindering me? I was being disobedient to God about getting baptized. And I don't know who I may be speaking to here tonight, but I promise you this, if you want God to bless your life, I'm telling you right after you get saved, you ought to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. Amen. Amen and amen. Because to delay is to disobey. So we got, watch this now, here we go. We got blood born again, baptism. What's the next one? Watch this. Body. You say, what's that mean? That means after I get washed in the blood of Jesus, get born again, and get baptized, I become a part of the body of Christ. You're a part of that body, and I am a part 
of that body. You see, Jesus is still alive on this earth in a body, but it's not a physical body. For 33 years, he had hands, he had feet, he had eyes and ears and arms, and he could, he could do things with all that. But now, you know, after he resurrected and went back to heaven 40 days after that, he took his literal body and he, and he went back home to heaven. But he's still on this earth in a, in a, in a, in a spiritual body. And that spiritual body is made up of the church. I'm a part of that body. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm probably a little toe. Maybe you're a big toe. But every one of us are members. If you're saved, if you've been washed in the blood and born again, baptized, you're a part of the body of Christ. Romans 12, 5 says this. The Bible said, so, be, so we being many are one body in Christ, every one members of another. Can I tell you something about our church? Hey, we're family here. We're, we're, we're family. We're a body of believers. How many of y'all are believers here? I'm a believer. I make up the body of Christ. You're a part of the body of Christ, which leads me to a, what, fifth and final B word, and that's this B word right here. Brethren. Ugh. You see, once I get washed in the blood, get born again and baptized and become a part of the body, we become family. So whether you like this or not, you that are against the church renovation, we're brothers. If you don't like what we're doing in here, when I get to heaven, I hope my mansion is right beside of yours because I'm going to let my grass grow up. I ain't going to mow it make your mansion look bad. That's exactly right. We're brethren, man. We're not, we're, not, we're not battling each other. We're family. Can I tell you this? I'm a lot closer to y'all than I am my own family. I have two sisters. I never even see them. I know it's my fault. But I never see my sisters. But I tell you what, I got a lot of sisters in here. Can I have an amen? Thank you, Miss Aletha. I got one. I got a lot of brothers in here. A lot of brothers. You know why? We're family. We're brethren. I know we can't shake hands right now, but boy, ain't it good to be a part of the family. Boy, I'm glad to be a child of God in the family of God. We be brethren. So I'm not against you. I love you. You're not against me. Are you? I don't think you are. We're on the same side. We're in the same family. And we may have disagreements sometimes. We may not all dot our I's and cross our T's exactly alike, but guess what? We're in the family. We're brethren. And that's the reason we read this right here. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For what? Brethren. To do what? Dwell together. In what? Unity. Unity. Same team, same direction, pulling together, family. What's that song where you sing, uh, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. You remember that song we sing that around? Around here we say brethren and sisters around here. It's because we're a family and da -da 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 -da. when one has a heartache, we all shed a tear. Na -na 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 you know the words to it. I need to brush up on that one just a little bit. We're family, man. Can I have an amen? 
<laughs> I'm worried about us just a little bit in here. We are brethren. Look at this last verse and we're through. Peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't wish you no ill. I love you. You're my brethren. You're my family. You're my, you're my sister. You're my brother. I love you. Peace be to you. Love and faith. Praise the Lord. We're on the same side. Amen. We're brethren. All right, say them with me. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. Good. I was just checking. Great Bible words. Every child of God. Travis, how many did you have of them? Four out of the five. They're texting back and forth. Oh, I had that one. Well, you didn't have that one. Well, I got that one. Great Bible words. Let's pray. Father, thank you for great Bible words. Thank